Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Oh, God is dead and the woke left have killed him. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, the podcast where we celebrate the destruction of Jair Bolsonaro and the concept of Christianity and the human soul, both of which happened recently in Brazil, as as far as I understand from skimming the news on Twitter. Um, How's everybody else doing today? utterly exhausted but you yeah. know such as ha- such as such as such as the world without christ yeah we have yeah well uh, destroyed yeah that's what that's what the woke mob did speaking of woke mobs what are we what are we doing today what are we talking about uh we, we are talking more about the brazilian elections which I, I guess we should start with our with our perennial update about what seems to be happening there right now so, okay, currently it is, what, 11 a.m. Pacific time. We're recording this on... Yeah, that sounds Tuesday? about right. Yeah. Yeah, that one. So as of right now, Bolsonaro, like, still... So he, he's appeared, but he still hasn't conceded the election. Um, <laughs> he sure hasn't. Yeah, and... Okay, so the other thing that's been going on is that there's been okay. So one of the sort of perennial Bolsonaro things is that he has a bunch of support among a bunch of sort of like, like a bunch of different sort of like kinds of truckers, and yes. there's been a bunch of these supporters have been setting up a bunch of barricades. I okay from from talking to people on the ground and from what I've seen from it, I. I don't know. It, it's hard to get. It's hard to gauge like how serious these like I mean, blockades some actually are. Some are. of these blockades, I've seen videos of some that involve several dozen vehicles. Yeah, I mean, um, they have a lot of vehicles. Like uh, as as the thing. Okay, so the the Supreme Court has ordered the police to like clear the barricades, yes. and as best I can tell, they're kind of just getting their asses kicked. 
like they're not really resisting like particularly hard and so i i don't know if this is like yeah I it's, it's i mean it's the kind of thing that it will present perhaps a, a model for other people in the future if there's any efficacy to it it certainly could be part of an effective coup like locking down the roads in this way yeah i mean this, 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 is, how, this is how the coups like this is how like the 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 coup yeah. against uh, allende started for example if, um, if Bolsonaro but, and his and the military don't both go in a hundred percent right now, basically, um, then then what these truckers are doing will not be much more than like an annoyance. You know, it's the same thing yeah. as with with January sixth. If Trump, when they breached the Capitol, if Trump had declared, "I'm remaining president," everybody rise up. Well, then a whole thing might have happened, um, but he didn't, and so the momentum that might have kind of led into a, a more thorough takeover of the government fizzled out with a bunch of guys getting, you know, into fist fights with the Capitol police and shit. Yeah. And, and th- there's an aspect I, I think too, that's sort of important of like, so these have like Bolsonaro, like th- th- this whole sort of like truckers blockade thing, like this has been going on in various forms for like the entire time he's been in office and, like he 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 sort of turned them into this these motorcades that he would do, but they're they're really weird, in that like, okay, so like they are blocking roads, but a lot of it is kind of pure spectacle. Like there, there's this whole wave of sort of right wing candidates, like like, basically, but like there's there's a whole wing of sort of like right wing politicians who like got their start from like doing Instagram videos from like or like TikToks or like shit like whatever like yeah basically like from these blockades. So like. I don't know. They they don't they don't seem to be like as of right now. I I don't think they're like an incredibly serious fighting force. But you know, I mean, it's not good. <laughs> this is happening. Um, it's also not good that the police was like initially cooperating with them, and that the police set up their own roadblocks to stop people from voting. So I don't know. The situation is not good, but it's not as bad as it could be. And yeah, and I, I you know I want to reiterate that like. The U.S. has recognized that Lula has won the election, which I think makes it like infinitely harder. Yes, the fact that and this is this is one of those things when people on the left talk about like, is there a a harm reduction point in voting? Well, this is harm reduction, right? Because if Trump had been in office, he would have backed Bolsonaro and Lula would be in prison again. And uh, there would be absolutely no hope for stemming the destruction of the rainforest. Not yeah. that things also, are going I, to work. I, I do. Like things I, I, could still be a nightmare in Brazil. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But we've we've at least avoided the most obvious way things could have been a disaster. Yeah. Although I, I, I do want to point out that the Obama administration had a huge role in uh, like this entire shit happened. To be fair, the Obama administration, I don't think was trying to put Bolsonaro in power. They were trying to put the neoliberal ghouls in power, but they uh, definitely, well, we'll get into that next episode, but they definitely like helped get us here. No, I mean, that's true. Like, and it, it also follows in the continually building story that like Biden's actually a much better president than Barack Obama. <laughs> yeah, low bar, but... I mean, incredibly low bar because Barack Obama led directly to Donald Trump for a variety of reasons. Yeah, there you are. (laughs) I I, this is this is a weird world that we live in. Yeah. And it's it's also like people are now starting, you know, rightfully so. I know we're going to be talking about a bunch of fucked up stuff about Lula, um, most recently kind of bringing up his very bad takes on Ukraine. But it's also like I don't care. Like, obviously, I think. I would always like for people to have, if they're going to have a representative democracy, better leaders. But at the end of the day, like the the rainforest being destroyed at the rate it's being yeah. destroyed is an existential existential threat to all life on Earth. And Lula has a proven track record of reducing deforestation in the Amazon. Well, so yeah, like, what I, I like, I don't care that he has a bad take on you. I just don't like it. It, it doesn't matter, really. Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I saw. I saw. I saw articles that were like, ah, Lula like uh, supports democracy in Brazil, but supports authoritarianism abroad. It's like, I guys, shut up. Like, holy shit, Jesus Christ. Like, I, I can. I if if I go back to two thousand like seventeen, I can find all of you like writing pull fucking Provo's and our articles. So like, shut up. So, okay, so let's get to uh, how everything went to shit. So last episode, we sort of left 
the PT like riding high, Lula's out with like a like 80-90% approval rating. He's d- done like an economic miracle. He's pulled one street out of poverty. Uh and you know, if things had continued like that, uh, we wouldn't be here right now. So obviously something happened. And yes. to, to understand what happens, uh, unfortunately, we have to do some materialism. Um, okay, so bear with me through the materialism. I promise we're going to get to a bunch of like absolutely horrific crimes against humanity. But first, we need to do a bit oh, of materialism. I love crimes against humanity. Yeah, yeah. There, it's uh, ooh. There, there are lots of criming. There, there. Ooh, it's oh boy. I'm I'm already but, hard. Wait, maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Mm, moving, well, moving swiftly on. So, okay, I, I, I'm good. I'm going to quote here from one of the sort of more famous Marx quotes from 18th Brubert, uh That is genuinely a very good way of understanding history, which is men make their own history, but they do not make it as they please. They do not make it under self-selective circumstances, but under circumstances are existing already given and transmitted from the past. So, okay, what, what, what are the circumstances that like 2002 Lula is inheriting? Um, Lula's sort of social democratic plan is able to sort of grow the economy and also pay off the ruling class to be able to stay in power at the same time because of something called the commodity boom. Um, a commodity boom broadly is just like, it's a large spike across the board in the prices of commodities over a sort of period of time. Uh, we're, we're using the sort of like mainstream bourgeois definition of commodity, which is like primary commodities it's stuff you can like pick up off the ground dig up or harvest so it's things like soybeans like copper iron horses uh lead um condoms yes we we understand what commodities are yes look brazil condom tree i don't know i got nothing so okay and lula lula like takes office and leaves power like almost exactly perfectly to take to take advantage of like the peak of the commodity boom right lula comes into power in 2000 in well okay so he wins 2002 election he takes office 2003 um the commodity boom according to a cambridge to cambridge's a handbook of primary commodities in the global economy took off in 2004 and ended in about 2014 but it's slowing by about 2010 2011 ish and lula uh, exits office in 2010 due to the two term limit which means he never has to deal with the consequences of the downturn and let's stop here for a second. How do term limits work in the Brazilian system? Because it's not the same as here. Here, like a term limit means you get your two as president and then you're done. Yeah. So, I, I, I OK, so the way I think it works and I, I could be wrong about this, but the, I'm 90 percent sure the way it works. OK, so you can have two terms and then you can't run again in a row. But if if okay. like someone else comes in, you can then run again after that. It's just that you can only do two in a row. I mean, I'm happy that he's beaten Bolsonaro, but that is a very silly way to do it. Yeah, well, and I, I will say so, something about like, this is something about Lula that, like, I think kind of infuriates a lot of the people who, like, don't like him politically and want to sort of scream about his authoritarianism or whatever. Like, he he was always like, like mostly really scrupulous about the sort of like democratic norm stuff like he a, yeah. a lot of other sort of like pink tide leaders in the same position. Like this is actually how Eva Morales originally gets in trouble is that yes. he tries to seek a third term. And Lula is just like, nah, I'm out. I'm fuck it. Like, <laughs> which is, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it, it kind of like on the one hand, it, 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 in, in, certain, in theoretical terms, this is sort of like good for Brazilian democracy, et cetera, et cetera. In practical terms, it's kind of a disaster. Because I mean, it's it's good because I, I think that it's always good when popular leaders acknowledge like absolute limits. But yeah, yeah I mean, the timing wasn't ideal. Yeah. And, you know, it. it but, you know, OK, so like the, but the, the reason that he's able to sort of like, you know, like if, if he if he if like if the Constitution had allowed him to run for a third turn, he would have just like like he would have clobbered everyone. There's, there's just not even like any remote competition to him. And the reason he's able to do this again yeah, is because people the like this boom. guy. I mm, <laughs> he got he got like ten percent less of the vote this time. Uh, I mean, yeah, but what was that? Yeah, okay. 
like th- th- this election was like really close compared no, to no, like, no. The, oh you're talking and, about this most recent one most yes. recent I'm one talk, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about really Lula close. back then yeah 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 Lula back then like literally unstoppable political drug very not, very uh, popular at this point yeah, yeah. but but th- this is because of the commodity boom and and we need to in order to understand what is going to happen to the PT we need to understand why the commodity boom happened in the first place um, this turns out to be very important. There's there's a lot of causes technically that have to do with a lot of complicated macroeconomic stuff. The the, the single most important cause um, for us, and I and I think generally the the one that is like is credited with the reason that these commodity prices are increasing is the skyrocketing growth of the Chinese economy in two thousands. Um, and I mean, when I say skyrocketing growth, like we are talking like double digit GDP increases every year. Mm-hmm. This is like when we have that Olympics digit. where they have all the drummers and you have that Newsweek article about how scary China is. Maybe it's yeah. time. Um, and, yes. And, and you know, and the, the, the sort of the massive increase in industrial production, like they are – the CCP is like – like China is industrializing on a scale that is I think like almost hitherto unimaginable. And this means, you know, there's an enormous increase in demand for primary commodities. But this boom was only sustainable as long as the Chinese economy can maintain something like double-digit GDP growth. But the problem is, after 2008, the Chinese economy starts to slow. And sort of in response to this, in 2009, the CCP does, like, one of the largest stimulus projects ever. And they, they spend $4 trillion RMB on, like, infrastructure and welfare programs to stave off a recession. And, and it works, but, you know, like... They th- this is this is like the largest like stimulus program ever, and it can't really keep the economy growing. Like ever ever since two thousand ten, uh, every single year. Well, okay, I uh, ex- ex- excluding the weird rebound stuff in twenty twenty one, but like uh, like every single year, like year on year growth, the, the rate of growth of the Chinese economy has been decreasing. Right, and okay, well the commodity boom you know, is, is produced by, by feeling, you know, by, by increased Chinese demand, but okay. Uh, what happens when that, when that, you know, isn't true. Um, but, but, you know, okay. So in, 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 in the two, in the two thousands, like this, this is great. Th- these are the sort of material conditions that make Lula's like politics possible, right? You have enormous economic growth and it bring and this economic growth is happening in sectors like, in very important sectors of the Brazilian economy, to the extent that it's able to provide a revenue, a stable revenue base for the state that allows it to fund welfare programs like and pay off the bourgeoisie, which is, you know, this is sort of like like papering over this sort of like fundamental contradiction of of of, of the uh, PT's base. Right. Which is that they have they have to like they have to keep the economy running. So they have they have to pay off a bunch of sort of like incredibly corrupt dudes and also just sort of like Brazilian capitalists. And they also are trying to sort of do their welfare programs. But, you know, the commodity boom collapses. And suddenly there's only enough money to either pay the capitalists or pay the workers and not both. And the project begins to collapse. And and this this happens across Latin America. Um like the, like I, I I would make the argument that like the, the end of the commodity boom like is the reaper that came for the Latin American left. It is at least as important, if not more so, in the collapse of the sort of the pink tide over over the the, the course of the two thousand tens, like then the actual CIA. Like the CIA is very heavily involved in this, but the commodity boom just sort of like just nuking all of these economies, uh, like coming to an end. Is like that that is an enormously important uh, sort of like like element of this entire story. And there, there's also there's a, there's another thing that we should note, which is that there's a problem with organizing your economy to be sort of like in in, in a way that's reliant on sort of like primary commodity like export production. A handbook of primary commodities in the global economy specifically notes, quote, Brazil's significance in coffee, cotton, iron ore, sugar, and tobacco, and Chile is a dominant exporter of coffee. So, okay, Brazil exports like 11% of the world's cotton, 20% of the world's iron ore, 15% of its coffee, 39% of its sugar, and 18% of its tobacco. Um, And it also has an enormous cattle industry. It's got like a bunch of soybean farming, which is actually really important because – uh, it turns out as China gets richer, it, they it, have it. It turns people into 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 soy boys. Yeah, it also makes soy sauce, which is our, our very our, important for. I mean, more importantly, <laughs> our reserves of of beta cuck energy would be disastrously low if if we didn't have Brazilian soy. So thank you, Jair Bolsonaro, for keeping the soy flowing. 
Yeah, well, I mean, th- th- this this is sort of like like this is a joke, but like this is this is sort of the issue with this, right? Like, okay, so politically, this is a there's also a massive timber industry which has been literally destroying the entire planet. Yeah, but like, okay, so like, here's the thing: if, if you know anything about sugar, coffee, cotton, and tobacco, uh, you know those are slavery crops, and you know, like, the, the, these are these are like the primary exports of a plantation economy, and the people who run those kind of like like economies the people who like the, those plantation owners are like the scariest people who have ever lived anywhere like at any time on earth and you know in brazil these people have been in power for 500 years and unfortunately th- th- this is like a big part of what sort of lula's economic miracle is resting on it, it, and, and and this this isn't really like a base that produces socialism like if, if your economic base is relying on these like like unbelievably psychotic racist like planter oligarchs like you, your economic base is something that creates fascism however comma robert do you know what else produces fascism um the products and services that support this podcast ding 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 That's some of them i guess good. are fascism just directly so true well, yeah <laughs> Yeah, the gold the the gold people probably would be would be the main <laughs> example the of this. Um, but we also are sponsored by bigfascism.org com. Ah shit. I don't I don't know. I don't know. just roll the fucking ads. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Ah, we're back. Boy, that was a good ad pivot. I hope everybody's happy. Chris, why don't you continue talking about Lula? Yeah, so uh, speaking of fascism... I was doing a... Ah, yeah, Layla, I, I went into it earlier. Not, not, not well. No, this is know. this is going great. It's hard to hard to. <laughs> we'll uh we'll have Daniel fix that up in post. Yeah. Okay, so so speaking of creating fascism, yeah, let's talk about that time Lula invaded Haiti. All right. Or, well, for, okay. To be fair, whomst among us 
hasn't invaded Haiti. I've, this is I've true. Actually, I've actually like, never invaded Haiti. That's true. I've never invaded Haiti. However, the U.S. and Canada also okay, and the U.K. Well, okay. Oh well. That is right. more what I okay. was saying. Okay. <laughs> like uh, it's. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so in 2004, a CIA-backed coup ousted Haiti's democratically elected leftist president, uh, Jean-Baptiste Aristide. And initially, okay, so the, the initial sort of occupation force that's sent in by the UN is a U.S., is like an American, French, and Canadian force. Um, and they're sent in, like, ostensibly under the sort of guise of, like, restoring stability or whatever. Um, but they when need... I think about who can make Haiti stable, it's France and the United States. Yeah, you Part, know, I... partners and, in and, Haitian stability. And Canada. And Canada now. God, I'm glad you guys out. are, you know, getting getting involved in, in your big brother's uh, uh, crimes against humanity. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I'm you... wondering for, for the Canadian stuff, how, how do they ship all, all of all of the Mounties all the way to Haiti? Okay, so here's, 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 they, here's, they, here's they took the their horses the over the water, Garrison. Yeah, <laughs> we built the land bridge. Yeah, allowed them to ride. You know, okay. So, but the, the thing about this force, right, is that like, okay, so e- even to like the most casual observer, having literally France in the U.S. and also Canada, which is like the it was just the U.S., but there's also a French part of it, uh, like. Literally and they put weird fucking sausage soup on their goddamn French fries. Disgusting. Yeah, it, it turns Curse. out okay. So like Ugh. like the, the 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 optics of these people just militarily occupying Haiti is really bad. Um. So okay, the UN is trying to figure out like a permanent force, and initially Lula like opposes Brazil getting involved in this, which is good. But that's, that's that would make sense. I, I, I'm when I think about change. when I think about whether or not Brazil should be involved in places, Haiti would not be the top of my list. You know, you know? I mean, this is always this is always just like a really sad thing of sort of like just like the history of Latin America of like how many countries like owe their existence to Haiti over and over and over again, like sending them troops and ships and weapons, and then every single one of these countries are like, ah, fuck you, Haiti. So uh, Lula, like, basically Lula becomes convinced that, like, this is this is like his big opportunity to, like, build the influence of Brazil on the international stage. And so Brazil just, like, takes over the occupation or the auspices of the United Nations Stabilization Mission in Haiti, which has the, like, utterly impronounceable acronym Minishta or something. I God damn it, guys. Come on. I, you know how to do an atrocious. acronym. You have enough money. Jesus. <sighs> you would think, however, comma, no, it's uh, this bullshit. And OK, so apparently this is part of a plan to try to get U.S. and French support for a bid to get Brazil a permanent seat in the U.N. Security Council. Uh, if you Google who is currently on the U.N. Security Council, you will see how this went. Which is to say it did not work. And. Shit starts going horrifically badly almost immediately. Um, basically, like at the outset of the occupation, Brazilian troops in Haiti launch an attack on a quote gang leader. And note, by the way, here the terminology that is used to describe this operation and the, the people that they're fighting is exactly the same way as the paramilitary forces in Haiti are described, like right now, by the U.S. and the U.N. as the U.S. tries to stage another invasion, this time with the backing of uh, Mexico's nominally leftist president, AMLO. So, uh, yeah, a real sort of legacy of uh, uh, people who Americans think are leftists uh, doing imperialism in Haiti. Good job, everyone. Uh, well, everybody does a little bit of imperialism in Haiti, you I, know, look, okay, as a th- treat. I mean, this is the thing, right, right. Every every single country in Latin America is bound and determined to prove that you actually cannot do. I uh, I uh, contrary to contrary to sort of popular opinion about this, you actually can't do social democracy without imperialism. And every single time someone tries to do a social democracy, they have to invade Haiti. It's just sort of like it's 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 it's, it's, it's in the contract here. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so they they, they the the. The UN, the sort of like the, and by the way, I, I should point out the, the UN force is commanded by a Brazilian general, like the entire, basically once the Brazilians take over, it's commanded by Brazilian generals the entire time. Um, and well, those they, guys seem nice. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they, they, they go after this guy and they fire 22,000 rounds of ammunition into basically just like apartment buildings. Um, 
To this day, nobody knows how many people they killed, but from eyewitness reports, we know they killed babies, they killed children, they killed pregnant women. It is it is Vietnam shit. It is absolutely awful. Um, Augusto Helano, who Helen, Augusto Helano, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, he's the guy who leads this operation. Uh, becomes the head of Bolsonaro's Institutional Security Bureau. Um, here here here's a headline from Poder 360 from last week. Uh. Quote, it is not possible to admit the return of the Red Gang, says Helano. And by the Red Gang, he, he means uh, uh, Lula. He's calling Lula a communist. Okay. Um, and this is fine and good from a guy who, again, is the head of the Institutional Security Bureau. Um, uh, this guy, uh, like, sucks so much. Um, it, when he retired in 2011... Uh, Helano defended oh, this is from Reuters uh, when he retired in 2011 Helano defended Brazil's 1964 to 1985 military dictatorship as a bulwark against the communist quote the communization of the country sure and okay so like we we, we can say that as, as much as sort of Brazil's like fascism is homegrown and this is absolutely true they're also just like eating the ass end of Foucault's boomerang because all of the fascism that they're about to do is exported to Haiti before it comes back um Here's some Reuters. Uh, this is talking about uh, Bolsonaro's cabinet. His, propo- his proposed defense minister, former General Fernando Alvarez y Silva, served under Hilano as, a ch- as an operations chief. Bolsonaro's incoming infrastructure minister, Tarsicio Fritas, was a senior UN military engineer in Haiti, arriving shortly after Hilano left in 2005. Retired General Carlos Alberto Dos Santa Cruz, Brazil's next government minister, led UN troops in the Caribbean nation in 2007. Um, all of those guys, by the way, th- this was written before the election. Um, all of those guys took office. Uh, uh, two, fully two of, of Bolsonaro's uh, secretaries of government were part of this occupation. So, yeah, th- this this obviously uh, went great for Lula. Like, yeah, OK, good job. You, 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 you sent a bunch of colonial troops to occupy Haiti and then all of the generals came home and were like, let's fucking do fascism here, too. Yeah. So I, in this episode, we're, we're talking a lot about sort of the Brazilian fascism because, you know, we're, this is a Brazil episode. But I don't want to minimize like what this did to Haiti, where like to this day, Lula is like fucking despised um, for, you know, like betraying the Haitian people and fucking occupying the country with troops. Like there's there's this whole thing where like he Lula goes to Haiti and he has this whole thing about how like he has he's playing like a soccer match and he's like, OK, we're going to show the world that there's an alternative to bullets. And meanwhile, this soccer stadium is literally surrounded by the Bra- by the Brazilian army. And it's. Oh, boy, um, I love I love showing the world there's I mean, there is an alternative to bullets and it's just threatening people with your guns because they know you've shot enough people that you'll use them. If they, oh, and drones, they too, by the way, uh, this, this yeah. is where this is where the U.N. learns how to do drone warfare. Um, the, the other thing that's happening here is this is the, this occupation is where the UN starts to like fight quote like hybrid wars for the first time. It you know the, the like the, the wars that they're that they're doing these sort of peacekeeping operations quote unquote. Uh, they're start they're starting to do counterinsurgency shit where like the enemy can be mixed in with the population and you know they, they kill a shit ton of people. There is rampant rape and sexual assault because it turns out that uh when you when you send troops to another country to occupy it, this is what happens. Um, and when, 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 when this force eventually pulls out in 2017, they just like leave a shit ton of fatherless babies behind because the people who, you know, did all this shit were like, fuck it. We're just going to leave. We're going to like leave these children behind. Um, I think most famously, okay. So there's, there's a giant earthquake in Haiti in 2010 and this leads to this like enormous sort of redoubling of the occupation and troops are brought in from other parts of the world, including there's a contingent from Nepal. And the, the result of this is that. The yeah, Nepalese definitely. Troops. Haiti seems like a place Nepalese soldiers yeah, ought to be. I, this is this is, by the way, like the, the this this is like the new revolutionary government in Nepal that is like finally defeated the monarchy after like God, a decade, I love, like decade I love struggle. That, it's like it, the, the, <sighs> we all looked at the British Empire and we're like, well, that's clearly fucked up. But what if we did it in a decentralized way? Right. Like what if what if it wasn't just the British? What if everyone was sending Nepalese shock troops in to crack down on yeah. uh, in popular insurgencies? Well, and, and, you know, and the thing that the thing that particularly goes wrong with the, with the Nepalese troops is that the Nepalese troops bring cholera to Haiti. And OK, uh, well, again, who hasn't? 
I, you know, okay, here's the thing. The defeat of cholera, this is like one of the few genuine victories we have had over sort of like, like the, 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 over the last 200 years, over the forces that have caused like human misery and suffering for like just time immemorial is that we defeated cholera. And then we brought it back. The fucking UN occupation brings like this is the this is the first large scale cholera outbreak in modern times. Um, eight hundred thousand Haitians get cholera as a result of this. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, it's it's it's, not hard to not spread cholera. Yeah, we we success like even if you're looking by the standards of military occupations. Like the Russians didn't haven't spread cholera in Ukraine. It's not hard yeah, to not we didn't spread, spread cholera. cholera in Vietnam. No, like, we didn't I, create a cholera epidemic in Afghanistan or Iraq. It is not hard to not create a cholera epidemic. Yeah, uh, to, to, to be to be fair, the the Saudis have managed to create one in, create one in Yemen now too. Yes, but that's probably worse than this one. But that, yeah, that more uh, just reinforces my point that most imperialist occupations yeah, are able hard. to not cause cholera epidemics. It's hard. And okay, you know, and and obviously, right? Like, okay, you you you've now created your colonial army. Uh, the colonial army is going to come home, and literally, these same troops go back to Brazil and launch a war in the in the favelas. Um, like like under 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 Dilma Rousseff's PT, like the fucking army is literally occupying the favelas. And, you know, this is all part of the PT's like massive campaign to sort of buy weapons and modernize the army, which in you know, and and buy. Like I, I I think currently they're involved in like well okay I, I okay I I I I'm not entirely sure about my dates on this I I I'm not entirely sure if they're if they're currently involved in nine UNP seeking operations or sixteen but uh there are like there are there are I I Brazilian troops like all over the world I uh, still doing this bullshit. And, you know, again, as we've talked about, like, literally the people who are in Haiti, like, are the people who are going to help put Lula in prison and put Bolsonaro in power. So, you know, this is some, uh, this is some fucking enormous, like, creating your own gravedigger shit. Uh, okay, so, okay, we, we, we've now, we've now gotten through one of the sort of sets of gravediggers the PT is building for themselves. Um... But also back in back in Brazil, things are also like, you know, not going great for them, which and the, the, the way that this is specifically not going great is that like even even, you know, sort of in the hour of triumph, triumph of the Workers Party, right? Lula ascendant, et cetera, et cetera. There is a massive fissure opening under the feet of the Brazilian left. And that fissure is the gig economy. Um, we we have talked like literally ad nauseum on this show about how the gig economy is bad for workers. Um for for our purposes, the, the 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 thing that's kind of important here is that doing this kind of gig work, right? Like becoming an independent con- like an independent contractor, um, it has a profound social and political effect, and it cr- it creates a sort of profound social political atomization, right? It breaks down the sort of social bonds that like built the workers who've been the PT and transform and, and 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 instead of instead of the sort of like you know massification, right? Like the the, the conversion of people into sort of like these these these, these like like concrete mass social entities who can like take collective action, you get these neoliberal subjects who are incredibly atomized, incredibly isolated and vulnerable to sort of like, you know, fascist projects that promise like community and unity and like this new organic whole. And, you know, guess where Bolsonaro draws the support from? Oh, wait, it's a, it's a newly evangelical section of the working class. Um, and, and to, to be clear here, uh, the, the informal sector in Brazil has always been massive but the way the PT runs their welfare programs makes everything just exponentially worse. Um, we, we talked about this a bit last episode, but one of the big things that the PT's welfare programs do is they're about getting giving people access to microcredit. And okay, so in the short run, this is technically incredibly effective at uh, combating poverty, but it had another effect, which was to sort of like deeply and firmly like sort of like like ingrain vast sections of Brazilian workers into the banking system and turn them into micro-entrepreneurs. And, okay, so being a social democratic party and on purpose constructing an entire class of micro-entrepreneurs is like maybe the single best example of producing your own gravediggers that I've seen since, like, the military dictatorship cooperated with Lula in the first place. This is a terrible idea. But... You know, okay, so I, I, I think I think I think it's worth asking, like, why is the PT doing this shit, right? Like, this is 
this is something that is like otherwise absolutely incomprehensible. Um, and, and the answer is that the PT was never quite the party that people think it is. Um, here, here is from a group of Brazilian anarchists writing in Crime Think. The rulers linked to the realization of mega events cheaply reap political rewards. For FIFA and its corporate cronies, not coincidentally the same companies that financed the electoral campaigns of the PT, the benefits were financial. Profits stretched into the billions, underwritten by public resources and guaranteed by police repression. The PT could not have done this alone. It was the party that received the largest total of private donations in recent years, 75 million in 2013, while other parties like the PSDB, the Social Democratic Party, and PMDB, Party of Democratic Movement, the biggest and oldest party in Brazil, mostly center-right and conservative politicians, only managed $46 million altogether. In 2014, the Ugh. year of Dilma Rousseff's re-election, the PT received $47 million from contractors facing lawsuits and investigations, while the PMDB got $38 million and the PSDB got $28 million. This demonstrates the symbiosis between the Workers' Party and those who control the flow of capital in, in the country – a connective tissue of economic and political power. So this is not good. Um, and and you you can sort of ask what what was the PT really doing here, right? Like why? Okay, why are they doing microloans? Why are they taking all this money? Um, and th there's a really really good pair of articles from a Brazilian group called Militants in the Fog that was published at Illwill called Work and Revolt in Brazil's Dead Ends, and I'm going to read from some of it. A bank account, a smartphone with access to the internet, and a profile in an app. The means to collect emergency aid, which is emergency aid is, um, part of this is talking about Bolsonaro stuff. So uh, Bolsonaro implements this policy called emergency aid, which is like, it's, it's, it's kind of the equivalent of like the US's, uh, like the stimulus checks that we got, but slightly different. But the, the means required to collect emergency aid are, are the same required to create an account for Uber, a sign that we are facing... Fundamental parts of this, quote, new way of working. Years ago, it was already possible to identify the Bolsa Familia program, which is that giant um, uh, PT, uh, like Workers' Party uh, uh, cash transfer program that we talked about last episode, whose dimensions were small in the face of the 2020 financial aid program. The, ob the objective of forming a unified workplace more deeply subjugated to capitalist relations the, quote, bankification promoted by the program contributed to the expanding, contributed to expanding the reach of microcredit systems, a process of financialization of informality, which was deepened in recent years with the dissemination of increasingly agile and easy payment terminals and electronic payment systems such as PICS, a tax-free, a quicker and tax-free money transfer method. The phenomenon reached unprecedented intensity due to the emergency aid. The state-owned bank Caxia Economica Federal absorbed 30 million customers in 10 days in what, was, in, in what was possibly the fastest bankification process in history, thus reaching a record profit in 2020. Access to credit is essential for the emergence of a precarious workforce to which capital costs and risks are transferred, while interest rates introduce a new level of productivity to the old... Okay, this is a Portuguese word that, oh boy. Via caro, which is like getting by, which is this sort of like... It's a sort of slang term for kind of like doing stuff in the informal economy to, like, survive. Yeah, which is now directly connected to global financial markets. Thus, the focus of these income policies would be less on expanding consumption capacity for the beneficiaries, as in the Keynesian distributive model, and more on expanding their investment capacity, financing the acquisition of work instruments and, quote, self-valuing their human capital. Enthusiasts of such programs claim that the financial cushion provided by basic income can represent enough stability for people to be able to spend their own savings or other capital starting a business. So, okay, what's happening here, um, and the Militants of Fog is arguing this after the work of a Brazilian academic named uh, Ludmila Abilio, is okay. What's happening here is is the real subsumption of the formal economy. Which okay, so like, what 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 does that mean? I uh, we need to take a step back and do like a little bit more Marx. So Marx makes this distinction between what he calls formal and real subsumption. So assumption is this like whole philosophy thing. I'm not going to get into here, but basically what he's talking about is stuff getting like subsumed by capitalism, right? Like like becoming a part of the of the sort of capitalist like process and system. And this comes in stages, right? The first is formal subsumption where, okay, so say you have a peasant, right? Formal subsumption is where the peasant like enters the market for the first time and suddenly be, instead of being a peasant is now like a wage worker, 
right? And, you know, in, in, in this phase, right, capitalism has entered a new sphere, right? Someone who was a peasant, who was like not doing capital stuff before, right, who was going for self-production and had like feudal dues and obligations is now a wage worker. But, you know, and then they're selling the goods to the market, but the actual process of production, which is like, okay, so like how a peasant does, like how, how, how your, your former peasant new agricultural worker like grows their crops and what crops they grow and like when they decide to work in, in, in this first stage, this is still the peasant's choice. Um, that ends with real subsumption where all control over the workplace that like workers had had is completely destroyed. And you're just, you know, okay, this, this is, this is what like we think of as a regular job, right? We're like, okay, the, the, the way the job works is your boss tells you what to do. Uh, your, your entire labor process has been like fully integrated into, into, into the sort of like broader capitalist production processes that you have no control over. And this is what's been happening in the informal economy over the past few decades in Brazil. It's a real subsumption, right? Like, and, and, you know, what, what, like it, 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 stuff that had formerly been, you know, like people taking wage labor, but the, 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 the sort of structure of how people do the jobs that they're doing, right. was still up to them. Uh, this, this, this has been ending and the way it's been ending is through basically the degree of control offered by to employers by apps like Uber, of uh, oh, and th- like yeah, the, the control that these apps give you over the informal economy, and the results have been absolutely catastrophic. Um, on the one hand, the sort of limited autonomy that the formal economy, like that the informal economy used to give you, has been crushed by sort of algorithmic. Ag- sorry, has been crushed by algorithmic control from gig economy apps that you know like track where you are and tell you where you need to go and how how fast you have to get there and like what lights you have to run in order to get there. And also, increasingly, uh, these gig workers are being squeezed by a new level of middle management who work basically the same way as like gang, like the old gang bosses that control Chinese labor in the turn of the 20th century, where you, you have these guys who act as like private recruiting companies and foremen for workers who, okay, so you, you, you go to this place, right? These people are like, okay, I will give you a job. And they negotiate, they're the people who negotiate directly with the company and take money from the company and then use that money to sort of like pay the employer. And this, this, you know, this sucks, right? Because on the one hand, you have all of the bad parts of a regular job, which is there's a guy who tells you what to do. And if you don't uh, do what he tells you, like you get fired. And then you have all the bad parts of an informal sector job, which is that you don't have any legal protections that like workers with formal contracts have. And, you know, the, 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 the effect of this has been to create super hell for like vast, vast swaths of, of the Brazilian working class. And th- this has been a just unbelievably catastrophic sort of disaster for, for Brazilian politics. <sighs> but okay, y- cool. y- you know what else is creating super hell for the Brazilian working class? I mean, not the products and services that support this podcast. Yeah, no, no, that, that, we're, that, we're just, the, the those ones just do it for class. the American working class. Now, now, yeah, okay, here's fucking ad. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Oh, we're back. Wow. I, for one, think everything's going to be fine. The fact that Lula won this resounding victory over Jair Bolsonaro uh, by by nearly a whole percentage point uh, is going to mean none of these problems that you're talking about are ever things again. Yep. Nope. And, you know, OK, so it, speaking speaking of reasons why this will not be a problem again, the the sort of like financialization bullshit, this this it, this doesn't just like stick in sort of labor process like this stuff spreads to the like to the social movements as well, which are in a lot of cases like very old and powerful Brazilian social movements are reduced to these sort of like state backed financialized husks of the former selves where like, you know, you, you have like you have social movements that are literally like issuing bonds to like fund their, their members businesses. You have social movements that are like. Okay, if, if you show up to assemblies, you can like earn points so that you can get access to like be put on a waiting list for like a government rent stabilized apartment or something like it is a shit show. And, and th- this whole process sort of leads to the hollowing out of the Brazilian left. And, you know, and, and, and as 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 the left is sort of like being sort of like torn apart from the inside out. And, and, and as you get into sort of like 2011, 2012, 2013, as the Brazilian economy begins to slow uh, you get Brazil's version of the sort of like movement of the squares, like 2011, 2013 uprisings, which is going to be waged against a hostile, well, okay, a, a, a pretty hostile PT government. Like there, there's a sort of public show by Dilma Rousseff. They're like, yeah, no, I support the protests uh, when they're not violent and we're going to do stuff. But Okay, this goes badly very quickly. So these protests start over these like raises in public trans in, in the cost of public transportation, like the fare cost raises in a bunch of cities. And very quickly there are like three million people in the street. Um the, the the sort of conventional narrative about what happened here is that so the protests start off leftists, right? But then the leftists get run out as as the protests sort of keep going by these sort of like Follow a political like conservative nationalists that like take them over and, and turn them from this sort of like leftist call for like a more egalitarian society and for like the right to the city and like stopping evictions and stuff like that to this sort of like anti-corruption crusade against PT against the PT against Dilma Rousseff and against sort of like the left itself and okay this is true like as far as it goes um we'll be talking more about that impeachment campaign like next episode but there's more going on here, and the more going on here is that in 2013, there were massive protests, like 800,000 people um, protest the Confederation Cup, which is which is like the, a soccer tournament hosted by uh, – like that, that's – like, is, is one of the things that like precedes the World Cup. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a soccer knower, but yeah, and there's these massive protests against them, and they are just unbelievably brutally suppressed, like 50, 54,000 cops – are sent out to like stop this shit and they they beat the absolute shit out of everyone. And to, to understand why these movements were crushed and how the right was able to take power, we need to talk about the Brazilian police. So I, I think, you know, most of our listeners, you two, me, like we, we are familiar with the American police, right? Like if you're listening to the show, odds are decently good. You have seen them beat your friends to a bloody pulp. You have seen them tase the parents of children locked in a building with a mass shooter. You have seen them slaughter men, women, and children in the street for no other reason than they can because they are a fascist death squad fused with organized crime outfits 
funded by putting guns to the heads of the American working class. They are descendants of slave catchers working each and every day to keep the American racial hierarchy firmly intact. Um, okay, you know, when okay. you put it that way, it sounds bad, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, I like Law and Order, so like the TV show. Yeah, really? you know, they, they have, they oh, have yeah. good, they have good propaganda. Yeah, you've never watched Law and Order SVU? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh, Garrison. You're missing out on all of the good law and order. Uh, is, is, that, yeah. is, that the, is that the one with the goth chick in it? I, I honestly don't know. There's like 40 different law and order shows. It's impossible to keep track of them. But there is, that, there is that one goth chick uh, that they brought in because our grandparents would think she was hot. Yeah, I think, I think I'm okay. The power of goth chicks to extend police budgets. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun and good. And okay, you know, like okay, we 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 know how bad the US police are. Um I'm going to read this from the LA Times, quote, Brazilian cops kill at 9 times the rate of US law enforcement. Wee. 9 times. <laughs> well, that's pretty bad. Yeah, I, you know, I and I it's worth pointing out here that Brazil was the last country in this hemisphere to evolve slavery. Like they abolished it like 20 years after the fucking U.S. did, right? And so, you know, when, when you're thinking about what the Brazilian police is, take everything you know about the American police and understand that the Brazilian police, right? Okay, so with, with the American police, right, the murder dial goes up to 11. With the Brazilian police, that murder dial goes up to 99, and that's where they've cranked it to. Um, here, here's some crime think. In 2014, Brazil's prison population became the third largest in the world, with 570,000 prisoners, there's like 600-something thousand prisoners today, most of whom are black. During the PT administration, this figure increased by 620%. Cool. What's yeah. I, like, and this, this, this is a part of the PT that people really sort of tiptoe around, which is that they preside over, like... A, a a a regime of mass executions and mass incarceration that is like like utterly atrocious and and as an aside here um okay so like th- there are probably some of our listeners whose things that they want to go into electoral politics and if you are doing this you have one job like solely you have one responsibility and your job is to fucking annihilate the police your job is to destroy them so utterly and completely that their very name is spat as a curse in the street by people who make the sign of cross for protection every time they think about them. Like, by the end of your first term, these people need to be living in fucking hovels in the woods without access to a weapon that even as deadly as a 2x4, and every time they attempt to enter a town, people need to be, like, chasing them and throwing rocks at them. And if you do not do this, you will live like Lula has to see literally everything you have ever done crumble beneath the weight of a fascism that is too terrible to imagine, and uh, you will also experience in your lifetime. And instead of doing this, the PT is like, fuck it, no, we're going to use the police to stamp out protest against the, the mega events that they're, they're putting on. Uh, the police repression around the World Cup is, like, arguably worse than the stuff for the Confederation Cup. In, in order to pre- prepare for the World Cup, the PT stage is this, like, massive social cleansing campaign. We, we talked about this a bit in our sports episode. Like, they... They carry up mass evictions against both like regular people and also against like like there's there's a bunch of sort of leftists and also sort of just like regular people who squat in Brazil, right? Like a, a huge part of the social movements have been about sort of seizing property and building like building stuff on it, seizing abandoned buildings. And yeah, this stuff all gets evicted so they can be replaced with World Cup businesses. It's you know, like what what is happening here is it's like all of the violence of gentrification, but in the span of like a year. Right. The PT are literally rolling German tanks through the favelas because like, you know, subtlety is something that happens to other people, not like to reality. And, you know, as we talked about before, they're putting them under literally military occupation with colonial troops who were like fighting in Haiti. Right. Evict 250,000 people for this fucking tournament. Um, here, here's some other shit they did. This is from a series of uh, pieces by a Brazilian anarchist group called Fictional Faction. In 2012, the federal government and FIFA signed the General Law of the World Cup to ensure that the country would, quote, uphold FIFA standards of organization during the 2013 Confederation Cup and the 2014 World Cup. This agreement constituted an enormous legal offense to the Brazilian people, entailing the suspension of of many constitutional rights and norms that were already precarious for most. For example, a court established to rule within 48 hours on strikes that occurred within the World Cup. 
Workers lost the right to strike or fight for improvements, while FIFA avoided paying taxes on businesses within Brazilian territory. A special secretary to public security for great events was created, breaking the laws stipulating that justice may not have special sponsors or clients who demand priority. The privatization of public space was legitimized by the creation of, quote, exclusive streets for FIFA and its partners, in which even local businesses were required to keep their doors closed within the exclusion zone around the stadium. The laws allowed FIFA to intervene directly in the market without the oversight of the state. FIFA was able to stipulate the price to charge for tickets, suspending the usual half price for students and any application of Consumer Protection Code. In addition, more than 20,000 people were allowed to work as unregulated volunteers during the World Cup. These volunteers did not receive the protections of basic labor rights and operated uh, outside of constitutional norms in a situation in situations analogous to slavery. According to Brazilian law, these exceptions to safety and labor to labor and safety law are supposed to be limited to volunteer work for nonprofit institutions that have a quote civic, cultural, education, recreational, or social assistance purposes, which hardly describe FIFA. The state even overlooked the use of child labor in activities related to the game, such as the role of ball boy, which had been banned in Brazil since 2004. So this goes great. Um, and, and, and the thing that, you know, so this happens in 2014 under Dilma Rousseff, but it's worth noting, like, this is Lula's project from the beginning, right? Like, he, he has been fighting to get Brazil the World Cup, like, since, since, since like, the, the, the opening for applications to get this World Cup in Brazil to happen. And what, you know, the, 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 this, this, this campaign to get the World Cup takes the form of a, a literally all-out war against leftist protesters, squatters, workers, people living in favelas, people who are literally all of those at the same time, who are, you know, supposed to be the PT's base. And this is what the PT spends literally the rest of its time and power doing, right? Like, Dilma Rousseff implements a bunch of austerity measures. Like, this, the expanding police powers. Like, this is the shit that the PT is doing, like, literally as the Grim Reaper is coming to their door. Like, two months before Dilma Rousseff is impeached, uh, she uh, passed a pair, a pair of anti-terrorism laws tar- uh, targeted at protesters. And okay, we're, we're gonna we'll go into the impeachment next episode, but but I, I want to close on this, which is pre- preventing this from happening, right? Preventing the party of workers from fucking rolling tanks through the streets in 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 in, in fucking working class neighborhoods, like th- th- this is the actual sort of beating of of and th- th- this is this is the actual sort of principal politics of anti capitalism. Like th- this this is why there is a sort of rigid anarchist opposition to the state, right? This isn't just ideological purity. It is the concrete knowledge that any other path is death because we literally cannot continue to do as the PT has been doing for the past fucking 20 years to produce our own grave diggers. Literally, the ecosystems we draw our life from will not survive if we keep doing this. It does not matter how many people you live, you lift out of poverty. If you do not actually destroy the class system, capitalism and fascism will force them back into poverty. All of the poverty, like almost all of the poverty gains that Lula gained during his entire time in office were destroyed in four years of Bolsonaro. Every day that the state is allowed to exist, every day the class system is allowed to exist, it creates a thousand more Bolsonaros. It creates a thousand Bolsonaros in the police, it creates them in the armies, it creates them in corporations, it creates them on the streets. And they have to be destroyed or this world will fucking burn. And in the next episode, we are going to watch a thousand Bolsonaros burn the entire country. And that that is my incredibly angry response to this absolute fucking bullshit that is the reason like are, are are a lot of the reasons why everything is completely fucked. Cool. <sighs> well, everybody have a happy start of November and uh, hopefully Brazil isn't in a state of civil war by the time you listen to this episode. Yeah, I I update at the end of the episode. I don't think there's been any change. And remember remember folks, if you somehow take control of the political apparatus in Brazil dismantle the police and the military. Um, that's that. Yeah. That should be that should be a lesson for you. I know a lot of you are on the verge of taking power <laughs> in Brazil, so hopefully, hopefully that message will get out. Yeah, and I mean in general, don't fund them. Like, don't give them more money. Don't spend a bunch of money buying them German tanks. Like, well, okay. Like, why? What? Why are we focusing on German tanks? They make fine tanks. Okay, but he, 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 hear me out here. 
Can you name a single good thing a German tank has ever been used for? Yeah. Defeating um, the commies, I'm guessing. Yeah, they, they, they're some communists, probably. I don't, I don't know. Um, Let's... Uh, anyway. Killed a lot of Englishmen. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and Canadians. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.